Now's your chance to get caught up on all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. It's This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Driven by your Northern Ohio Honda dealers. Take home the Honda of your dreams during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event. Going on now. Visit NorthernOhioHondaDealers.com. Now, here's Gene Destro. This week, we're talking about risky behavior on social media, from dangerous and sometimes fatal selfies to the risk of losing your job because of what you post online. We'll also talk about why not all home security software is actually secure and how you can safely and securely recycle your old electronics. All this and more coming up. More than 250 people have died worldwide over the past several years while taking selfies. CNN reports the countries where this happens the most frequently are India, Russia, Pakistan, and the United States. They report that while women take more selfies overall, men, particularly under the age of 30, take more risks while they're taking their own pictures. Now, the topic took on more urgency last month when two women in their early 20s died the same weekend while taking selfies, one who fell from a cliff at a park in Arkansas and another who fell from a bell tower at Fordham University. But why on earth do people do it? Why do they take these risks just to take a selfie? We talked to Dr. Tony Bisconti, who's a psychology professor at the University of Akron. There's been some preliminary work on this kind of obsessive selfie-taking, and even some psychopathological underpinnings of individuals who want to be the most, insert word here. So if you think about, I want to be the best athlete, or I want to be the best serial killer, or I want to be the best news anchor, the best whatever it is, some healthy, some unhealthy, you have to go to pretty extreme behaviors to do that, whether that's training, whether that's moving up a ladder, whatever. In this situation, you want to be the best at getting these crazy, difficult-to-get selfies where you are demonstrating risk-taking, you're demonstrating the ability to do it, and those things, it's, it's almost like you aren't even thinking through the consequences. So if we think from a purely physiological standpoint, you're getting all the endorphins that you would get from being the best at anything, except it's such a quick rush, right, that you need to get the next high even quicker. So, you know, we've talked about for years that social media and cell phone could become this kind of addictive process with this increased cortisone levels. And I think you're seeing that even more with selfie behavior. So, yeah, I mean, I do think there is a danger for it to become pathological. What do you think can be done, if anything, to promote mental health around this type of issue? (laughs) That's the million-dollar question, Gina. You know, I think anytime something becomes obsessional, you have to look it in the face and you have to become educated on it, you have to talk about it, and you have to recognize your own addiction. You know, I think all of us have a certain level of addiction to certain things. So if I know that I check my, I don't know, let's use Facebook, maybe I'm aging myself now, but if I check my Facebook, let's say 50 times a day, that seems excessive. So I'll do something little to almost test myself. Can I be without my phone? Can I be completely unplugged for 
for an hour. If I can go an hour, then I may try two hours or three hours or four hours. So like with anything, you have to recognize it as a problem. And I think because of the age component, a lot of these risk takers are young. I think they aren't thinking through the risk taking. They're not thinking through that this is a problem. So as a family member, if you think they have a problem, I think, you know, you need to gently get them to see that so that perhaps they could start working on what is the root of this and what could possibly be a consequence of it. You know, when you mention the age, and I did notice there's some data to suggest that the people who do this are mostly under the age of 30. Mm -hmm. Uh, One, that could be that people under the age of 30 are the most into social media. Of course, we know that statistically. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that I'm thinking when you mentioned about the risk-taking behavior is that your brain actually doesn't completely develop around the idea of future consequences until you're past your mid-20s, right? So That's correct. So then what should we do about that? You know, I think the way that we have tried to legislate around other risk-taking behaviors like drinking or smoking cigarettes or gambling, obviously we can't do that with (laughs) taking pictures, right? But I do think there has to be an element of parental involvement with adult children or friend involvement with adult friends. I think we sometimes think, okay, well, 23-year-old, 24-year-old, they're totally capable and they have their own agency and they do what they want to do. But if I am acting in a way that Lindsay, my wife, deems a little bit too risky, she'll mention it to me, even though I'm well over the age of when your brain stops kind of developing. So I think you just have to make each other accountable. There's no way to legislate it but you have to make each other accountable. So, and when people talk about brain development not being complete before our 20s or mid 20s, you have to understand that it's pretty complete. Like we have a pretty good idea of consequences. We know about drinking and driving, we know about drugging, we know about ODing. And so I think it it stands to reason that we understand the consequences of our behavior even if we are higher risk takers. So again, you got to have education, you got to have communication, and you have to help each other be accountable, probably most of all. Now, let's move from risky selfie behavior to risky social media behavior, specifically when it comes to possibly getting fired from your job because of what you post online. CBS's Stephen Greenberg has more. Workers continue to learn the hard way that, yes, they can be fired, even if they post them at home on a weekend, or they're just venting about their frustrations that they feel about their boss. Our First Amendment rights of free speech do not mean that workers can say, post, or tweet anything they want about their employer and still keep their job. There are no official stats, but the stories are easy to find. One waitress in Ohio was fired after she wrote on Facebook that her customers did not tip her enough. Her company had a policy prohibiting workers from even mentioning the restaurant on social media. Workers do have some protections. Employers generally cannot discourage workers from communicating with one another if they want to discuss wages, benefits, or their working conditions. A fine line may separate what is and is not protected, so workers are well advised to be aware of which side of the line they are standing before they post anything about their work online. Now, moving from online risks to real-life risks related to technology, like, for example, that home security system you can check from wherever you are via a mobile app. 
How secure is it, really? CNET editor Ian Schur. You look at people like ADT, who's been around for a very long time, versus new ones like Ring and Simply Safe. What we learn is that they all have somewhat different security settings, right? For example, Simply Safe, which is one of the cheaper ones, doesn't have as robust of security as someone like ADT. And this is important because a lot of our information is being collected in our homes, right? You've got cameras in your home, and there are legitimate questions people might have about where is this information going, how often is it being stored and how is it being protected so we have a really good list on cnet i'd recommend you read it especially if you own one see how your company is and how they stack up against everyone else and what about your old electronic devices how can you be sure you're not giving away a lot of valuable personal data when you recycle them your old devices may be useful to others or some components can be recycled but what about your personal data on those devices many charities and others promise to wipe your devices clean but a researcher from the security company rapid seven recently bought dozens of used computers cell phones hard drives and other items spending just six hundred fifty dollars in all what he found was the equivalent of people serving him their data on a digital silver platter he retrieved more than 366,000 files, including documents and images. Most troubling was the load of personal information he found. 41 social security numbers, 19 credit card numbers, 6 driver's license numbers, and 2 passport numbers. The lessons are obvious. If you're donating a device for others to use, wipe it clean yourself. You can generally find instructions online from the manufacturer. Performing a factory reset sometimes isn't enough to keep experienced hackers from finding old data. And if you just want the device recycled into metal and plastic, Rapid7 recommends destroying it, really destroying it using a hammer or a drill, or setting it on fire as long as it doesn't contain toxic byproducts. Inside Business, I'm Jeff Colvin for CBS News. And that's it for now. See you next week. That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro, driven by your Northern Ohio Honda dealers. Tune in next week for more tech news and find out more online at WAKR.net. Take home the Honda of your dreams during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event going on now. Visit NorthernOhioHondaDealers.com.